five on the come to the bench. <laughs> no, it's, it's all good. I just told him to make sure he gave me that time. Isn't it good to have basketball back in our lives? Round Ball Roundup, episode number two on utahjazz.com. J.P. Chunga, after the Jazz beat the Adelaide 36ers 133-81. to The only question in my mind is whether Jeff Green will figure out how to get a high five connected with Nigel Williams-Goss. Those two definitely need to work on that connection between the two. Recapping what we saw from Jazz Basketball last weekend, we are available, though, on your favorite podcast application, so make sure to give us five-star reviews. Give us reviews in general just on what we're doing on the podcast. You can always ask questions during the review portion and I will make sure to answer them on a future edition of Round Ball Roundup because we're doing this for you. So make sure to connect with us by giving those reviews on iTunes, on Google Play, on Spotify, on Stitcher. That's how you can get the podcast right now. Make sure to check us out on our social channels at utahjazz.com. It's good to have basketball back in our lives, folks. I love it. I caught a little bit of the Clippers Shanghai Sharks last night as the Clippers were able to show impressively in Hawaii. And also, just concerning jazz basketball, there was some news that happened. A new Larry H. Miller, sports and entertainment president in Jim Olson. He's going to be taking some pretty big shoes to fill from Steve Starks, who established a very good digital presence, was a good online voice for the Utah Jazz, and it was a good way of getting not only just his information out there, but also to get fans engaged. Because not every single fan can come inside the walls of Vivint Smart Home Arena. You're going to have to find different avenues to get yourself into fandom for the Utah Jazz. For many, it was that finals run during the 90s. For many, it was John Stockton's short shorts. For many, it was Antoine Carr's The Big Dog, his beautiful, beautiful glasses that he wore on the court. And as a glasses wearer of myself, I definitely got that as an access point. But I think Steve Starks got that. And it's going to be fun to see how Jim Olsen, a guy who ran Vivint Smart Home Arena, is very experienced with the in-game atmosphere and product, how he transitions into this role because it's going to be new for him. And, and I anticipate him having his own stamp on what's going to happen going forward for the Utah Jazz. Meet the team. We were able to see the rookies dance and Old Town Road continues to be a phenomenon because that was the song that the rookies danced to, Nigel Williams-Goss. I thought he impressed with his robot skills. Beyond that, not much to speak of. Jarrell Brantley gave it his best go. Same for Justin Wright-Foreman and Mieoni. But the real standout of the entire night was the fact that Boyan Bogdanovich showed exactly what he's going to show going forward. It's his three-point shot. He wins a three-point shootout against Donovan Mitchell. Any victory against Donovan is a good victory to have and, and fun to watch from Boyan Bogdanovich. The game, as far as the preseason one that happened on Saturday, 133-81, 52-point runaway. I don't think there are big things to take from it. But I will say, with the week that we have coming up, games against the Pelicans and the Bucks. I think there are three things to focus on going forward because looking macro and looking big picture on what this Jazz team is going to be, is it going to be that lineup that they showed out against Adelaide? Mike Conley didn't play. 
Rudy Gobert didn't play. Donovan Mitchell didn't play. The big three for this team did not play, and they still ran away 52 points. I think the back end of the roster, and if you want to start taking things and start gleaming onto things, the back end of the roster is much improved over last season, and that squad was still able to continue to show a separation in talent against an Australian team. It was just a celebration of basketball being back for me on Saturday. It was finally a chance to see things and to see this team go out and play. The fact that there were so many scratches, players not being out there, that took away from finding big things to glean on. And let's just look at the preseason very matter-of-factly. You're not going to win the championship in the preseason. So what are things to look out for during this stretch of jazz basketball. I got three things, and first, I think you have to look at how the young guys are playing. The second round draft picks in Justin Wright Foreman, in Jarrell Brantley, in Mie Oni. Oni clearly the standout from Saturday. And I think every single rookie during the opening portions of Summer League and during that Vegas stretch, they all had chances to shine. And even in Salt Lake, they all had spots where they showed something, where they showed they could be contributors or at least compete for spots at this level. Oni showed that Saturday. You know, Donovan Mitchell, I want to play you this because in the lead-up to the game, in an after-practice availability, Donovan Mitchell, he highlights Oni as one of the players that could play. First of all, I didn't know Mie was that athletic, uh, for, for starters. I did not know that. Um, you know, Bojan's been coming along. Royce has been, Royce has been phenomenal um, on both sides of the ball. Joe's still old. Uh, <laughs> um, Rudy's Rudy's been been really good. I think the real thing that really helped with, was me seeing Rudy, you know, in a different element. You know, kind of understanding, you know, how he wants the ball. How like because I watched a lot of the France games and how, you know, how they fed him the ball, where they got him the ball, and when they did and how they approached him, and like stuff like that. I think is one thing that's really helped. But uh, I would say Royce, Royce for sure has been a guy who's really picked it up. He finishes with Royce, who also clearly showed that he could play at this level and and was very good in showing he was one of the best players on the floor against Adelaide. Oni showed athleticism. And he showed it not only in, in that alley-oop that he had, but he also showed it in his opening bucket where he goes transition around a defender and straight to the cup. Nine points on four of seven shooting from the field. Five rebounds, three assists in 18 minutes. And he had those flashes because coming out of Yale, I don't know how much Ivy League basketball you kept up with, but most people didn't check that league out. And it brings up a very cool thought that I think Gary Parrish over at CBS had, which was... If you are an up-and-coming NBA prospect or a an outside fringe guy of the top 50, like as a prospect, would you consider playing in the Ivy League? This just happened with a top 60 guy who is committing to college basketball, and he chose to go to Harvard. So if you're looking at trying to make a decision for college basketball and you're a guy who isn't a top 50 guy, isn't a top 10 guy. Like, top 10 guys, they're going to get a shot in the NBA. These guys get recruited and get picked out and seen by so many areas. And Mia Aoni gets into this. I want to play you a little bit of Mia Aoni as well going forward. But first, to this point, if you are a outside top 50 guy, do you think about going to an Ivy League because it's an Ivy League degree? 
playing for a Yale, playing for a Cornell, playing for Harvard, and Harvard has things going under Tommy Amaker, if you play for those type of, of teams, the NBA is going to find you. There's too much good scouting out there in this league and just by the smart teams in the entire organization that know exactly what they're going to get. If you are a player who's at a high level, will you be willing to go to the Ivy League? And Mieoni did that and had some success with it in Yale. His athleticism pops off the page, and it popped off to Donovan in in the way that he was talking about it during practice sound. These teams will find you, and I think we should really respect that sort of thing. Now, I'm also applying the sensibilities of somebody who would really respect an Ivy League degree. If you go out to a job, a scout, or even just outside of basketball, people are going to respect that type of thing. If you get a Stanford offer, if you get a big-time offer, you want to go to those teams. Now, it's understood that places like Harvard, Yale, they don't offer athletic scholarships, but cost of attendance, like that type of stipend that usually is offered to public university players, you're going to get a lot of financial aid. And if if you are in a position where you are good enough off the court and being pushed grades-wise, going to the Ivy might be something that you consider. I was really interested in hearing what led to Mieoni's Yale decision when we talked to him at Media Day. Here's that conversation on Yale with Aaron Falk of UtahJazz.com. I haven't. I haven't still, <laughs> yeah. Or I think I beat her once, and I think I beat her once, but when she stopped playing already, and she just didn't play me again, so... Yeah, <laughs> she's beat me way more times than I beat her, though. Like, what were what were those games like with your sister, and then and just sort of make, maybe that competitive back and forth in, in academics and that sort of a thing. Uh, it was it was cool. It was more like it was always like little brother, big sister. Like she would just go on the post, and when she was playing basketball, and then academics, she helped me a lot. Honestly, she um she taught me how to basically work hard in school and everything. And my parents would always use her as an example whether it be to my benefit or not, but it would, it would be a good example to follow. So I, want, I just try to follow her lead and kind of try to do what she did. So. How'd she push you? Um, she pushed me physically and she pushed me <laughs> just to basically like just have that example set before me that of excellence and like you got to do things the right way, got to strive for the best and everything. And that's just pushed me to be better. So. And then she went to Cornell, right? Yeah, for undergrad in Columbia for grad school. And that's yeah. sort of what got you interested in, in Ivies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wanted to go to Cornell with her because we would have been, I would have been a freshman when she was a senior. So I was like, that was my goal all the time. So I knew I had to get good grades for that. And then, I mean, it didn't, not everything worked out perfectly, but it's like I went to the school. I, I didn't even think of Yale as an option then, but she opened my eyes to like another like set, set of schools because I was only people back home only really think about USC, UCLA, and like a lot of Pac-12 schools and everything like that. So that helped me open my eyes to a new set of schools. When you're at Yale and, and you're starting to, to get better and, and you know feel like you could be a professional player, mm -hmm. were you? I guess was there ever a time you were concerned that like, hey, I'm I'm at a mid-major, you know, not not a basketball power, and like this may make it more difficult for me to get to the NBA. Nah, nah, not at all. Um, I always thought, I always believed like if you were good enough that the NBA will find you and I was told that and I really believed that. Like even when I committed, so I was like, if I didn't make it to the NBA, it would be my fault, not of the school I went to. I didn't, I don't believe in like excuses like that. So 
I know a lot of people are like, oh, if I went to this school, I'd be this and this and this. But it's like, you can say that, but it's like, if you're good enough, you're going to end up where you're supposed to end up. It might not be right away. It could be later, but you're just going to end up there. So that's what I believe in. So I kept that belief in when I was in school and throughout and just continue to work hard. So how would you recap the IV experience? I liked it a lot. It was a good experience. Um, it was something, it's not for everybody. It's not for everybody. You have to be really disciplined. I think that's the main thing, but I liked it a lot. It's, um, it's you get to meet a whole different set of people that you wouldn't before and people that you would never come in contact with if you didn't go to a certain school. And it's like those people can be your lifelong friends. And a couple of my friends have been people that I know if I saw them in the street, I'll never talk to them. If I was in a random class with them, I'd probably never talk to them, but they were my dorm mates or something like that. So now we're friends. It's like you get to just broaden your horizons and meet different people. So. When you're watching a movie or TV and there's like, it's like a, there's always a kid that wants to go to Yale or other kids at Yale. How does, yeah. are you like annoyed by the caricatures that you, you see in these things? Nah, nah. <laughs> it's just, it's pretty funny. I, I think it's, it's like a compliment. It shows that it's a place people strive to get to. But yeah, it's, it's funny though. It's cool to see sometimes. Yeah. What's the biggest misconception about Yale? Uh, about Yale? Um, that it's, it's not fun. It is a pretty fun school, honestly. It's, um, it's a pretty lively campus. A lot of people think that it's all like protests and all like negative and that stuff, but it's not all negative. It's like it's a pretty lively campus. It's like, yeah, there's some of like some other stuff. There's some other things going on there, but it's like overall, it's like it's a good experience and it's a good time. Mieoni, as he was pushed by his sister into going this type of route. It's a good route, and I think that Gary Parish column where he's thinking about and pontificating should players start choosing the Ivy Leagues as an option, something that might bear fruit, something to consider going forward. The young players, though, looking broadly, Justin Wright Foreman and Jarrell Brantley, the other second-round picks, they got a little bit of run as well, and I think it took a little bit for both to get into the play, but they're going to have more opportunities going forward. I think these next couple games, you'll have to see how the young guys are playing going into this game because not much to glean from playing against a team that isn't in the NBA. The NBA talent comes next, and it looks to my next thing that you have to look out for in the preseason. Who's initiating? Who's starting the offense? Who is getting into it? Because look at this game that they just played. No Emmanuel Moutier, no Dante Exum, no Donovan Mitchell. Where are the where are the point guards? Nigel Williams Goss started as the one for this team, but there were times where Joe Ingles was playing in a fun lineup and initiating the offense for the Jazz. Look at this lineup that I thought was fun because you'll be able to see fun lineups because these first couple of games you're going to be seeing. Hey, I'm just throwing things out there to see how players see how guys adjust and see how guys respond to to problems, how they answer questions. So this lineup played for a good stretch in the second quarter. Ed Davis, Royce O'Neal, Mieoni, George Niang, and Joe Ingles. Ingles operated as the point forward. And with Joe Ingles operating as the point forward, as the point forward, you know he's a good decision maker. You know he can be a guy that can operate at this level. I was interested to see how he plays when it comes to B 
being a guy amongst a bunch of other trees. Because what was so successful last year was that Derek favors Joe Ingles' pick and roll and how they were able to play off of each other. Who's he going to gravitate towards next? Who's going to be that next big guy who can offer something? And that leads to the new guys. The new guys are something that you could watch. It's going to be good to have basketball in our lives, and I thought we were so close to seeing Mike Conley debut for the Jazz and in a Jazz uniform. Now he's held back from playing in the game on Saturday. But when he shows up, Mike Conley's effect on this team will be felt. How he operates the offense, how he is as the point, that'll be something to look forward to. Jeff Green being a guy that at 33 is showing the athleticism of an NBA stud. As an NBA veteran, he showed it. He saw it when he made the defensive back play, snatching the ball out of the air and stopping an offensive play. You saw it when he was going offensively and getting that alley-oop from George Niang. Jeff Green has that seasoning, has that veteran presence to make himself felt, and I think watching him during the preseason will be good because he's a professional. He, he's going to bring it every single night, and he's going to show something, a thing or two, that I know a guy like George would love to gravitate towards, a guy like Mie would love to gravitate towards, and a guy like Jarrell Brantley who can learn from. Jeff Green, having been through the battles in the finals, having been on championship teams, having been on teams that have contended for the finals, he knows the pressure, and, and coming onto this team, he can be that type of guy. Ed Davis is similar because nobody in the NBA has a bad Ed Davis story. Boyan Bogdanovich winning the three-point shootout, that's what he's going to show when it comes to playing on the floor as a corner three specialist on this squad and even initiating the offense as well, lending to the second point that I have that you can watch for the preseason. He's going to be fun to watch in a jazz uniform. So it's good that jazz basketball is back. It's good that basketball is back in general, but there are no big headline-making things that you can grab from preseason game number one. So what to look forward to this week? Well, we got a couple of preseason games for you to check out on AT&T Sportsnet. It is Utah against Milwaukee, Wednesday at 6 o'clock. And then on Friday, the Jazz against the Pelicans. Derek Favors on that team as the opposition for the first time. We'll be able to see him against his old club. That does it for us here on Round Ball Roundup every Monday and Friday here on utahjazz.com. Make sure to give us five stars and leave a nice review on your favorite podcast app. I'm JP Chunga, and until next time, bye for now.